In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the month of Ba'una, and in the Gospel reading today, Christ is speaking about the true measure of Christian love and what categorizes a Christian according to love, as opposed to the more familiar love that we speak about when we speak about the love in the world. The Lord gives a very um, specific and high standard for what kind of love it is as we as Christians should show. He says in verse 32, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And so we can ask ourselves this question when we, when we say that we love a person or when we make a list in our minds of who is it that we love, likely we do not list people who hate us as, those that, as the ones that we love. But the Lord here, when he speaks about love, he says that love should be for all people, not only for those who love us, not only for our friends, not only for those who have done good to us, but that we would love even those who hate us, who persecute us, who use us, and all these things. So we're going to speak briefly today um, about some of the characteristics of the Christian love. The first question we ask is, why is it that we should love our enemies? Why is it that the Lord has commanded that we would love even those who hate us? The first reason is to manifest the love of God in the world. When we are the ambassadors of Christ, we are the ones through whom the Lord demonstrates his love, his kindness, his goodness, his forgiveness, his mercy toward all people. And so one way that we share the love of God is by us demonstrating that love through our own actions, through our own words, through the things that we do as believers. In John 13, verse 35, the Lord was speaking to the apostles and he said to them, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The standard that was to be used to determine who is it was the disciples of the Lord was not based on some teaching or some miracle or any other way that the people would understand and acknowledge and identify these men as being the disciples of the Lord. It was only because that they exhibited this divine love, this love that was beyond the world and above the world, this love that could not be um, manifested by anyone else in the world, that it was only through the work of God in them that they could have this kind of divine love working in them. And so when, when people would look at the apostles, they would say, these are the apostles. These are the disciples of the Lord because they have such a divine love that cannot be matched, cannot be copied or emulated or imitated by anyone else, that it is truly a unique and divine love, which is to love even our enemies. So one reason that the Lord asks us to love our enemies is because it manifests his love to the world. Another reason that he calls us to love our enemies is to learn humility before him, before God. For us to grow spiritually, we must learn to leave behind our pride and to accept whatever situation that the Lord allows in our life. And the word humility is related to the word humiliation. And sometimes in order for us to truly be humbled and to experience the true humility, to see ourselves really as we are, we need to experience some kind of humiliation. We need to experience some kind of attack or some kind of, of distress against us by another person that we are not being treated the way that we should be, that we are being um, you know, treated unfairly, that someone is unfairly uh, talking with us or categorizing us or dealing with us in some way. And our response then, when we are treated in this way, when we are persecuted or when we are humiliated, says a lot about who we are and says a lot about the God that we serve. 
The Lord himself endured much hatred. The Lord on the cross was mocked. He was spat on. They stole his clothing. They hurt him physically. They put him on the cross. And even that was not enough for them, but they continued to mock him even when he was on the cross. But we see the way that the Lord responded. He did not respond in self-defense. He did not respond by using all of his power to destroy those people, even though he could have. And yet he accepted it for a greater purpose, and he accepted it for a greater reason. St. Paul, he speaks about this idea of learning humility and his accepting humiliation for the sake of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It is easy for us to desire humility, and we speak about humility as being a virtue, and we all want to be humble. But the real way to be humble is to endure hardship, to endure persecution, to endure suffering at the hands of others, and to accept it as, as being allowed by the hand of God for us. To love even those people who mistreat us will help us to learn humility. The third reason that the Lord asks us to love our enemies is to learn to live at peace in a world that is full of strife. In Romans 12, it says, Repay no one evil for evil. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If we have hatred for anyone, who is it that suffers? It is not the person whom we hate, it is us. We are the ones who suffer when we have hatred for other people. We are the ones that is filled with strife and anger. We are the ones who keep maybe replaying in our minds angry thoughts toward people that did certain things to us. And we are prisoners of our hatred and prisoners of our anger of things that have happened around us. But when we forgive others and we have love for others, it frees us from this internal suffering that we experience by constantly having hatred for others. When the Lord tells us to love our enemies, he's actually asking us to be free of hatred. He's asking us not to be consumed by hatred, not to be imprisoned by it, not to feel always that we are distressed or anxious or upset. And there are people who, you know, live their whole life without peace, not because of something that is happening each day, but because of something that has happened years and years ago that they have not let go, and they have not let go of hatred that they have for other people. Loving our enemies does not mean that we um, acknowledge or, or, or are saying that what they have done is not wrong. Loving our enemies is not giving them a pass. Loving our enemies doesn't mean that God will not bring them to judgment in whatever way that he sees fit. Loving our enemies means that I am free of hatred and that I am free of, 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 um, of imprisonment because of this situation. So learning to live at peace in a world full of strife is another reason that the Lord has asked us to love our enemies. The last reason I'll say um, why is it that the Lord has asked us to love our enemies is to become like God. Because God has made us in his image and he wants us to be like him. And he is patient and he is long-suffering and he, he seeks and desires the salvation of all people, even the wicked, even those who do not deserve salvation. Which of us deserve? Which of us really deserve salvation that the Lord would grant it to us? We are all in need of God's mercy and God wants us to see how much mercy he bestows upon us and that's why he says that if we forgive um, the trespasses of others then God will forgive our own trespasses. St. Peter he says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. This is he speaking about why is it that God does not immediately punish the wicked. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but as long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. 
The Lord could quickly bring judgment upon anyone who sins. And we also, unfortunately, would be in that category, in that group. But instead, the Lord wants to have mercy. So just as we benefit from the mercy of God, just as we benefit because God does not, you know, condemn us in a moment's notice whenever we commit any kind of sin, and he continues to give us opportunities of repentance, and he is patient and merciful and forgiving and not giving us what it is that we deserve, also he asks us to do the same with one another. Because if I benefit from this that God gives to me, then I also should extend this love of God toward others. We become as God like him whenever we uh, have the same love that he has for us. So then the next question is, and that the Lord expressed in this passage today, is how do we love our enemies? Now that we understand that the loving our enemies is critical and important, how is it that we love our enemies? What does that love look like? Again, the way that the world uses the word love has been twisted, and it doesn't really reflect the true love of God as God loves. The first way that we love our enemies is to do good to those who hate us. This is what the Lord said, to do good to those who hate us, meaning that we give, it's an, love is an action in Christianity. Christianity, love is an action. It's not an emotion. God is not asking us to feel warm feelings toward our enemies. He's not asking us to enjoy our enemies. He's not asking us to desire to be with them. He is saying to serve them. He's saying to sacrifice for them. He's saying to give them according to their needs. If you see that there is a need, give it. This is service and this is love, to do good, good even to those who hate us. The second way that we show love to our enemies is to bless those who curse us, those people who verbally abuse us, those people who, who curse us, who want what is evil for us, who desire our failure. He's saying what? Instead of responding in like manner, Instead, we are a source of good and blessing for them. We speak to them in kindness. We speak to them in goodness. We speak to them and we wish them well and we help them in whatever way that we can and we, we want them to be successful in their life. We desire for God's grace to be upon them. We desire for them to enjoy their life even when they are maybe a source of as, as a thorn for me. Even if they for me are... Um, someone that I want to avoid, someone that I don't wish to be with, someone that every time I see them or hear them, they, they aggravate me or upset me. And yet, the Lord says that we even bless those who curse us. Even those who actively curse us, we bless them. A third way that we love our enemies is we pray for them, and especially for those who ill-treat us, that we, again, are desiring good, and we're asking God not to destroy them, not to uh, remove them from the world, but instead, we ask God to pray, to, to, to bless them. Um, one of the stories in the New Testament, um, the apostles uh, were, were with the Lord, and they were trying to go into a specific area um, to minister. And those people refused them. They didn't want them to go there. And so the apostles, being angry toward them, told the Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven in order to destroy these people? So that because they refused us to allow us to go into their area. And the Lord looked at them and he said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Because the Lord did not come to destroy but to save. Right? It wasn't about their personal um, offense. It wasn't because of they were personally offended because somebody mistreated them or said something that you know wrong to them. It was about the salvation of those people. And the Lord came willing to accept whatever kind of suffering, whatever kind of pain at the hands of those people, us whom he came to save, 
for our sake and for our salvation, not because he was seeking to be well treated, not because he was seeking that someone would honor him. When they came to try to make him a king, he fled from them. But when they came to put him on the cross, he did not flee. He allowed himself to be put on the cross and to die for our sins. So he's asking us to even pray for those who mistreat us. It is through prayer that God can soften their hearts and change them. The question we ask ourselves is, do we really want their salvation? Or do we just want God to remove them from our lives? Do we want God to simply make them disappear or to destroy them, to crush them? Or do we really want their salvation? And if we say that I want their salvation, wanting their salvation takes time. It's a process that people have to see the love of God through us, that we would show those love who do not deserve love, just as we also do not deserve. A fourth way that the Lord has told us to love our enemies is to not retaliate against them, not to repay evil for evil. He says, what to him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. So when somebody mistreats us, that our first reaction should not be, this gives me license and permission to treat them the same way that I, am, I have been treated. Saint Ephraim the Syrian, he has a nice commentary about this idea. This is what he says. He says, an eye for an eye is the perfection of justice. It's a perfection of justice because it is when one person does something wrong, they have it done to them. This is, the, this is why it is justice. Whoever strikes you on the cheek, turn the other to him, is the consummation of grace. So in the Old Testament, when there was still not yet the grace of God bestowed on the world, the command was eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But in the New Testament, the command is replaced with this, whoever strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. While both continually have their criteria, he proposed them to us through the two successive testaments. The first testament had the killing of animals for compensation because justice did not permit that one should die in place of another. The second testament was established through the blood of a man who through his grace gave himself on behalf of all. One therefore was the beginning and the other the completion. The grace that God showed upon us in the New Testament that was consummated with the crucifixion of the Lord to demonstrate to us the true love of God in us, this is the same love that he wants us to show to all people. So when, when someone attacks me, when someone curses me, not to retaliate, he says, whoever strikes you on the cheek, turn the other to him. The last point um, of how do we love our enemies is we do not prioritize our personal rights. And this is something maybe very foreign to us, especially in the West, where we are very much, and especially in the United States, very much consumed with the idea of personal rights. People will sue anyone for anything because their rights have been violated. The Lord said in verse 29, and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either, which is the opposite of my personal rights. Does this mean that it is wrong to defend myself? Does this mean that it is wrong to seek after justice for myself? No. But from a spiritual perspective, I have to ask myself, what will serve the salvation of the other? What, what will show love of the other? We, there was a story um, about one of the saints, I think it was St. Macarius, um, who he came to his cell and he found that there was a robber and a thief that was stealing all the things from him. And so when he arrived and he saw that this man, this thief, was stealing everything, instead of trying to stop him, St. Macarius started to help him 
And he started to take all of the, the remaining things in his cell and to take it out and put it on, like I think of the camel of this thief that was stealing everything. And after he had finished putting everything, the camel began to walk and then it sat down on the ground and it refused to move as God is, is honoring the sacrifice that St. Macarius had done. Why? Because instead of trying to protect his things, he, he, out of humility, he allowed this to happen. And in the end, this thief, seeing what had happened, he confessed and repented his sin. Again, I'm not trying to say that if somebody comes to rob our house, that we should just help them to rob us. But what I'm saying is there is a spirit, there is a spirit of forgiveness and mercy and love that I'm not seeking w w my personal rights. I'm, I'm not obsessed with myself and just what I deserve. Instead, if I can think of a way that I can maybe sacrifice something that I deserve or that is my right for the sake of another, to show tolerance, to show patience, to show love, to show mercy, to forgive, then maybe I can choose to do this. And maybe that person seeing that I have done this, maybe they will be touched. Maybe they will see the love of God working in me, that as I am loving them, even though they do not deserve, they will see that God also loves all of us, even though we do not deserve. So in conclusion, to love like God is a divine and supernatural grace that is abiding in each of us as Christians. It is not a kind of love that can exist in the world apart from the work of the Holy Spirit because this love is beyond the world. This is not the love that we would see in the world. The, the, the Lord said what? Even the sinners love those who love them, but we are called to love those who hate us and our love to those in the world should be a response to the love that God has for us. The more we meditate on how much God has really given for us, how much God cares about us, how much God has served us, how much God has given for our salvation, if we really meditate and dwell on this, and we are filled with this feeling of unworthiness, that we do not and have done nothing to deserve all the good things that God bestows upon us, then this will fill us with a love and a desire to do the same to others that also do not deserve. Because we are not seeking that they would be worthy of love or that they have served us in some way to love them, but that we, we are willing to love them even when they remain unworthy. May God fill us with his love and always remind us and teach us of how to love one another and glory be to God forever. Amen. Blessed are they.